Thank you for joining us today for TEDCO Talks, a new series featuring thought leaders in economic development from across the state of Maryland. Join TEDCO CEO, Troy Lamel Stovall, in thought-provoking conversations with regional leaders about the future of Maryland's innovation ecosystem. In this episode, Troy is joined by Christy Reiskel of Johns Hopkins University and Johns Hopkins Technology Ventures. Listen now to learn more about Christy and the role she plays in supporting Maryland and DC's entrepreneurial ecosystem. Hello everyone, this is Troy Lamel Stovall with Tedco Talks, but we are filming this on what I think should be part of a four day weekend holiday. It's Super Bowl Friday, Super Bowl Monday probably should be a holiday too. That's why you got my backdrop. That's why I got my headphones on. I got my football jersey on. I recognize that I'm in, you know, Ravens country, a little bit of WFT country. We're not sure what name they have yet, but yeah, it's just football. And for, for a guy from Texas, it's, it's football. So I just enjoy it. But I'm actually even more excited today uh, with someone who is uh, just, a, a, she defines this ecosystem that we have here in Maryland. Uh, and has become just not just a different to Tedco, but a different to me personally, uh, Christy Weiskel uh, with John Hopkins Technology Ventures. Christy, thank you for taking some time out of your schedule to talk to us today. We, I really appreciate it. Troy, I'm happy to be here. Uh, anytime I get to talk to a fellow Texan, it's a good thing. <laughs> so here we are. We're going to come back to that. So just, just hold that. We're going to definitely deal with that. But um, um, a lot of folks, actually, I, a lot of folks know about John Hopkins and the and the the great work that Hopkins does uh, across a, a variety of areas. But they may not know exactly about the technology ventures piece. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about technology ventures, and and, and then that tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, thank you. So, what we do at at Johns Hopkins Tech Ventures is take the great things that are invented by our faculty and our staff and our students at Johns Hopkins, and we try to bring those to market. Um, and we work with investors and industry to try to really solve big problems that the world is facing. I, I think one way to think about it, Troy, is that the Johns Hopkins Enterprise receives over two and a half billion dollars in research funding for you. Very competitive research funding from a wide range of areas, public health, medicine, engineering, social sciences. And how do we as a group help them? translate those research dollars into real world solutions to unmet needs. Examples of that are improving battery storage, uh, creating carbon neutral shipping industries. Um, we have faculty working on uh, cancer detection to identify things like pancreatic cancer very early. We've got a faculty team working on the way surgeons guide during epilepsy treatment. So really uh, life-changing, game-changing things to try to make the world a better place. As far as me personally, I get up in the morning really for two reasons, to try to bring these great technologies to market and try to build a better Baltimore, build this ecosystem in and around our campuses. You asked about my background. Uh, those of you that know me, I, I had a whole career before having the incredible great fortune of joining the team at Johns Hopkins. I was an investor. I was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. My beat was uh, medical technology. I helped build and invest in medical technology companies. And so I really do this work with a, with a filter and a lens towards the company building, the value creation, and really striving to be there for the entrepreneur. That's a lot there and a lot. To thank you for your, for your leadership and your work. A um, lot to, to kind of double click on. I'd like to double click, if I, if I may, just for a second on this would be, you know, woman in the venture capital space, in this tech space, you know, that's, that not always goes in the same sentence. 
so talk a little bit about that journey for you. And, you know, you know, I've had this conversation about how we can better diversify these opportunities, this innovation culture here in, in Maryland. That's right. Well, uh, Troy, we know that only 3% of the dollars raised nationally, um, uh, venture capital dollars deployed nationally goes to women and people of color. And we know that more than, than uh, you know, that 97% of people don't own all the good ideas, right? So how do we think um, and how do we bring the ideas forward so that those folks have the networks, have the access, um, have their pitches ready, have their business models de-risk, and a lot goes into that, right? It's not enough just to, to show up and be part of this. You've got to be ready. You've got to talk to the right investor at the right time. Your product has to be uh, something the world wants. I'm, I'm teaching an entrepreneurial finance class to our MBA students right now. And my lecture this week was on, you know, it, it helps to be in a hot area. It's mm -hmm. one thing to be in um, right now in new energy or, um, uh, you know, some form of, of, of uh, vaccines for viruses, right? I mean, there are obvious hot areas that can get funded right this minute. And if you can take advantage of those as an entrepreneur. So what we try to do is set up folks across the spectrum for success. Last year, we ran a program exclusively voted to female entrepreneurs at Johns Hopkins, trying to connect them. Um, we're spending a lot of time thinking about how to do the same thing for underrepresented minorities throughout Johns Hopkins and how we can bring them into the fold in our ecosystem, introduce them to investors, get them ready to pitch, help them think about commercially relevant technologies um, so, so that we can really bring those forward. That's great. So, Christy, speak to, I think you just did, but just because uh, I think this is so important, right? Like you said, 3%, I think you got to emphasize the number, 3% of these monies went to, you know, women and, and people of color. Um, and they, they, the, the majority doesn't have a monopoly on it. But speak to that um, young uh, Black woman or Black guy or a white woman that's listening to you right now, what's, what's that two or three advice you really want to give them to help them get over, I can't do this? How Because a lot of this is right, is fear uh, and, and, and taking on that risk. And so how do you help them see what you see the opportunity set looks like for them? Yeah, no, I, I think I would say, and I was in those shoes, Troy. So mm -hmm. right before I joined Johns Hopkins, I actually founded two companies and I, I uh, did funded one through a co corporate deal and I founded one through the seed round. And so I've been in their shoes and I know uh, exactly what that feels like. And it is daunting. I think the, I think there are two most important things speaking directly to, um, to, to folks who are trying to do this and haven't done it yet. And I think one is about networks and, and mm -hmm. reach out and as many people as possible, even if you don't think that they, they might invest in you, could they be a good, mentor? Could they give you feedback on your pitch? Can they be honest with you about what your product is that may or may not resonate with the world? What the real world? So, so look out for those, reach out to as many people as possible. Um, you know, I just, I, I can't, um, I just can't emphasize enough uh, the need to do that. I think the second one is, is what I just refer to as coachability. It's good that you mm. got the you know, the, the football gear on today, because, uh, you know, whether you're Tom Brady or a first time entrepreneur, you got to be coachable to win. And, um, and folks that, uh, that show up and feel like they have all the answers, um, and, and, you know, feel like the, you know, the feedback is really just coming at me and it's, it's not something that I'm interested in. I have found over and over that that is a sign 
that it is unlikely that person will get funded. And so I would just say, um, pride yourself on being coachable, ask for that feedback, um, demand the hard, uh, the hard uh, feedback and go out to customers and investors and others and try to hone your pitch every single time you do that. Well, I wish you could Bob, what you said, because that's that's so huge. I, you reminded me when I first got into venture capital years ago and I was running a family investment office and I got to go out to Silicon Valley because we were, you know, LPs in those funds. And, you know, those the folks who were, as you know, the legends of venture capital, those guys on Sand Hill Road. And they all told me the same thing to, to your point, to support your point. They said, Troy, we we have we only invest in a quality people that may have B quality plans, but never the reverse. Because it's not just our money, it's our guidance. And if we have someone that might be the next Google, but if we don't think we can work with them, it's a pass. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a pass. Yeah. And so, so what you just said was just, just as a home run. Exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's great that you bring up Google, Troy. That is, of course, the most famous example of university tech transfer. So when people like, <laughs> when I explain to my mother this is what I do for a living. Um, this this is is absolutely resonates with uh, with with uh, with my mom, and that is that Google was founded by a professor and a couple of graduate students at a lab at Stanford. And oh, by the way, they shopped that around before that company was created. That that technology to a number of search engines at the time. You might remember Lycos and Lycos. Yahoo and these others. And the search engine said, "Yeah, we got this. We're we're good." <laughs> Shame on them, right? We the rest is history. But that is an example of things that are created inside the richness of universities that go on to have great impact, whether it's job creation, whether it's making the internet accessible for us all, et cetera, um, uh, that that we aspire to do here at Johns Hopkins. So one of I was at Stanford for getting my computer science degree, and my advisor was one of the advisors to the founders of Google. So I have that connection. He reminds me every time I talk to him, I was like, well, I don't have no Google stock. There's a problem with that. So um, you mentioned in, in, that, in that great talking about the diverse inclusion, you mentioned networks. Uh, I want to go back to, you mentioned, obviously Hopkins is in Baltimore. And, you know, I've talked about how do we, how do we, you know, make Baltimore a place, because sometimes people have this view of Baltimore, that it's not a place for tech startups, that it's not, you know, the, 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 the negative news coverage sometimes outweighs the positivities that are happening, not just with Hopkins, but the other great institutions. I think people don't realize the number of higher education institutions that are in Baltimore, you know. Uh, and, and so speak a little bit, if you don't mind, Christian, just about how Baltimore really is this, this place for technology and for entrepreneurship? Well, look, there is no bigger cheerleader for the city than me. I moved here in 1999. I live in the city really close to our Homewood campus. That's where I'm uh, broadcasting from right now here in my sunroom. (laughs) And I I just can't say enough about how tight-knit this entrepreneurial community is. There are a number of universities that, that we regularly interact with, that we have the great fortune to be partners with. There are a number of uh, real estate innovation hubs that are a big part of this according to the pandemic. Of course, that's not as important, but in normal times, it's hugely important to be able to, <laughs> to, to bump into folks and, and have uh, cohesive networks. There are also a number of funders, such as the Able Foundation, where I have mm-hmm. the, the, the great honor of serving on the board, that is that makes bets that funds early stage uh, companies. Um, and in addition, a number of investors that have really come out of the woodwork to, to serve as seed investors, as advisors, 
as board members and others to our community. Uh, we also have wonderful organizations like the Impact Hub mm -hmm. uh, run by uh, Michelle Geis, a wonderful entrepreneur in her own right, right on North Avenue. We have um, Jeff Cherry, a good friend who's running our Conscious Venture Lab Accelerator. So I think the, the richness of the ecosystem here is not to be underestimated, particularly when you look at quality of life versus the tens of thousands of people that are fleeing California. I'm going to speak right now <laughs> to those that might be in other uh, geographies who are saying, why do I want to pay exorbitant rents for some apartment with no windows, right? You can come to a place like Baltimore. Um, you can start your company. You can hire a very, very uh, talented workforce. I, uh, my friend, uh, Nick Colbertson, who started a company called ProTennis, talks about being able to hire folks from these three-letter agencies that are great at software development, that want to move into the private sector. He has really had good fortune in hiring. I think he's up to, I don't know, 80 or 90 uh, employees now after having been a student just a, a couple years ago. Um, so I, I think for those that are looking for quality of life, that are looking for a community, that are looking for talent and, and hiring, um, we've really got it all. And, and we've got a lot of momentum. And I would love to personally um, meet any entrepreneur who's thinking about moving their company here um, and, and show them around. Well, I hope whoever's listening heard that. And, and that was just a great advertisement for Baltimore and a great advertisement for the, the assets. I want to click on something you said there, because we, we sometimes think of, the, I'm focused on like the conscious ventures, but even the work that comes out of Hopkins. So many times people see entrepreneurship and innovation around some economic, you know, type of thing. But as you and I both talked about, you just mentioned, innovation can be used to help with societal challenges as well. Uh, and a lot of, there's a lot of work that comes out of Hop that Hopkins that does that, but speak to that. And because people think that it's, it's gotta be this great idea that that's again, the next Google, it doesn't have to be, it can help us solve some very, very basic things that we're trying to solve in this, in this environment. Absolutely. I mean, Troy, as you know, we put a man on the moon before we put wheels on a suitcase. Okay. <laughs> Entrepreneurship can come in any shape and any form. And I like to think of it as solving some of the most vexing problems of our time. One of the things that we have really leaned into, and, and in fact, uh, President Daniels, my, my boss, a few years ago, really called out the Social Innovation Lab, which was started by some students at Johns Hopkins, but now is a very formal program that we run and put resources behind because we so believe in it. And what we do is take 10 teams a year, some from the community, some from Johns Hopkins, and many are either not-for-profits or mission-driven. Again, trying to solve interesting problems of our time. We've got a woman like Brittany Young who founded B360. Mm -hmm. uh, she uses the dirt bike culture to teach, to teach STEM um, to uh, youth here in Baltimore. We've got another fabulous social entrepreneur named Dana Thomas, um, who runs something called Happy Teacher Revolution, yep. providing emotional support to teachers. Um, another woman that I've come to know lately, Bree Jones, started a, a company called Parity that's encouraging affordable home ownership in Baltimore through equitable development. So, you know, really interesting um, ways that, that we can learn from the community, that we can bring a community in, uh, into the fold to our networks, and, you know, I think, I think social innovation is, is just going to be one of the keys to our future. If we can use the same skills we do to pitch to investors or to scale businesses to our social, uh, to our social companies. I love it. You're making a lot of just great advertisements for these types of things. So obviously I got to bring up Tedco. 
um, and the work that we do with uh, with Hopkins and, and and Tech Venture. So let folks know about some of the great stuff that we love doing with uh, with Hopkins. Yeah. So let me just start, Troy, by saying that Tedco is essential. Um, we uh, across the state, across the city, have a tendency to be fragmented in our work and be very heads down. And I think one of the one of the many things that Tedco does is knit those together. Uh, they serve as a you you all serve as a convener. Um, as the connective tissue. And I think that's great. I think if I had to highlight some specific aspects that, that, uh, that are critical to us, one is the funding programs, uh, in particular, the Maryland Innovation Initiative. Our technologies and companies that receive this funding, um, I think if you look at the statistics of what our companies get and then go on to receive venture funding, that of course means jobs and economic activity, um, there is a direct correlation. Absolutely. Often where the grant funding ends by our usual sponsors is where you all step in, that valley of death that can be so yeah. uh, so truly daunting for faculty trying to do good work. So they need to build that prototype. They need to build that business plan. Um, I remember even uh, my first experience with this program, um, someone described it's often the first time that our faculty are these brilliant professors and, and doctors and others. It's often the first time they have to answer business questions <laughs> about what they're doing. I, I think if nothing else, the value of that program, the money is wonderful, but, but forcing that mindset around what's the product and what's the opportunity and how, what, what is the revenue model? That's really important. You know, I, I think the, the support that you all provide also for the speaker series, the events, um, and then just referring folks, you, you all, you have all sorts of problems, uh, 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 not problems, uh, you have all sorts of resources for companies that have problems that can't solve them, whether it's um, uh, referrals of individuals or mentors or, um, or other programs. So I just, I just want to emphasize how thankful we are um, for, uh, for the work and how proud we are to be partners. Well, I, in just as partners, and I appreciate that. But again, I appreciate your counsel, uh, your personal counsel to me, and and your support, your personal support uh, of Tedco. It's been invaluable in my short time. So you know, we can't not talk about the you know I don't I don't even call it an elephant anymore. It might be Godzilla. Um, you know, COVID. Uh, COVID is is changed so much. So talk a little bit about. Christy, about just, you know, we all came and just, it's coming up on a year. I don't think people recognize we're basically coming up on a year that we've been in this posture. Um, but, you know, you started 2020, I'm sure, with, you know, plans of what you wanted to do and how you want to kind of uh, get things accomplished. And then March, mid-March happened. So talk to me about how you had to pivot personally and professionally um, about, you know, through, through, through 20 and then now at the beginning of 21. Yeah, you know, it was a really monumental year for me personally and for our family. My our first child graduated from high school, uh, and uh, and headed off to college. And and watching um, all the the joys and and milestone events of um, of of a senior year and of a freshman year get really dampened by this. That was very personally difficult. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter handled it with, uh, with incredible resilience and, and grace, but, um, but man, you know, to not have the normal graduation at the normal time and all the normal fun and, and everything that goes in and, and um, you know, her college, she goes to college up in, in Connecticut. They did a really nice job of having them there and they test them and they, mm -hmm. you know, they, they quarantine when needed, uh, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can. Um, but, you know, when you look back on your own experience and think about that freshman year and, and the relationships you made and the fun that you had, you know, it's hard not to be sad that it, that it wasn't 
it wasn't our version of normal, but you know, they're, mm -hmm. the, the kids are going to be all right. They're making the best <laughs> of this and they're learning lessons. And um, you know, we'll, 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 we'll be beyond this. I think professionally um, it has uh, we've learned a lot. I, I would say in some ways, the work at JHTV lends itself well to this um, because we can, uh, we can do virtually everything, uh, virtually, virtually, virtually. <laughs> we can really do it. We, we can, uh, we can interact with our faculty. We can file our patents. We can help folks raise money. And, you know, one of the, one of the things I've been really encouraged by is the number of our companies that have closed financing deals entirely, entirely no remotely. I, I, I think that bodes very well because look, there's capital all over this country. And if you don't have to uh, the schlep across the country and pitch to a hundred different folks and uh, you know, across the way, then, then maybe there, maybe there are more efficient ways to use capital. Um, you know, I, I, um, I also am just really proud to be part of an institution that came up with the, uh, the really data source for the whole world. As far mm -hmm. as a COVID uh, professor Gardner, Lauren Gardner um, is a, is a good friend and colleague and, she and her students. I'm just, uh, I'm, you know, I'm just really honored to be part of that work and and what they did. So, you know, we're we're continuing to to move and to serve our faculty. Um, we're uh, now that our students just came back, mm -hmm. we'll see what our student programs look like in 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 coming months. But um, but you know, we're we're trying as hard as we can to 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 make sure we stay connected because man, it's hard culturally when you can't be together. Absolutely, you mentioned because I. Well, at a personal level, to your point, I have a daughter that's a, a, a senior. And you know, so watching her and she's, she's a girly girl. I've raised a girly girl. And so we already know she's not going to have a prom. She's probably not going to, uh, you know, walk. And it's just killing us to, to, to your point, watch her go through this. And I've already told her that if whatever school she picks, we're going through that process. If, if they're still telling you to sit in the dorm room and not go to class, it's going to be hard for me to say, baby, I, I want you to go do that. And, and mm -hmm. so it's, um, we're, we're having that debate right now in our house. So I can appreciate what you, what you, you and your family had to go through. But I, I am curious as to, from a business point of view, you mentioned like they, they're closing deals, you know, remotely. How, what do you do are going to be some, some behavioral things that are going to kind of, that we're now doing in COVID in this posture that are going to stay as we go beyond, as we get vaccinated and, you know, we go back to some sense of normalcy. Yeah, and I, Troy, this is so important. You and I are, um, you know, the, what's in our DNA is to always be thinking about what's next. What's the mm -hmm. problem we're trying to solve? Where is the puck going? Right. That's that's how we have. Uh, that's how we've made a living. That's how we've made our mark. And and so I'm always thinking about that. I remember the first time we talked, you said, you know, contactless uh, ordering and pickup is here to stay, Christy. I don't, you know, let's 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 get behind some folks working on that. So you know, I I my prediction is uh, that. One of the reasons that uh, venture investors have often looked for companies to move where they are is because of the, the tedium of how many board meetings and how much travel is involved, right? If you're a venture partner at a firm, you're likely on between eight and 12 boards. Well, guess what? Those companies have, what, a minimum of four board meetings a year? If those companies are not in your backyard and you can't just uh, get in your car after your normal work morning and, and head to those, um, that, that all requires travel. Think how many days a year that one is away. And so is will there be, I'm curious, but will there be a movement to invest outside of your local geography? Because you know now that you could do some or all of those board meetings 
uh, like we're doing here today on Zoom or, or whatever your, your preferred video platform is. So I'm, I am convinced that our friends in the investment industry and the venture industry will be rethinking that. I, I also think they know a good deal when they see it, right? They get paid to go find value. And when they realize that there are um, undiscovered gems in places like Maryland, and they don't have to be on a plane eight times a year to, to do that, I think we're going to see some real changes in, um, in the way uh, investors work. I also think, Troy, um, that there will be, and we're already seeing this in droves, right? Um, but we're, I think there will be some major changes in the way uh, startups are formed and hire and work and just tech ecosystems in general. Now that we have confidence um, that we are at a place with technology uh, where, where one can manage and work and be productive remotely, I think we're likely to see companies be much more choosy. And again, it's Maryland's game to lose as far as I'm concerned. I love that. We have so many assets. We've got a great ecosystem. You can have a house on the water. You can have a house in the mountains. You know, there's all sorts of great amenities here. Um, and I think if we, if we continue to market ourselves well and tell the story about how great it is to be here, um, then, then we could really be winners when all the dust settles. No, I love that. I've, I've uh, because of what I do, as you know, I, I we have responsibility for the state. So I've been on a virtual tour talking to various parts of the state. And one of the stats that I got from uh, the from the shore was that the new home inventory on the shore is completely gone, because people are real and 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 that the inventory in Western Maryland is at a low. The point being is that there's a talent dispersion, there's a de-urbanization that is, that is happening. And so there's a talent distribution that's happening. And so that, that bodes for a number of things. We could have a whole conversation just on this is because all of a sudden those entrepreneurial opportunities could happen out there because there's a different set of talent that's existing in some of our rural parts of the state. Mm -hmm. But to your other point, and I've heard this one too, is you're right. Venture capitalists normally were fairly geographically you know, uh, driven this could open it up, but also to your point about um, pricing, the, 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 the multiples that they were getting, the valuations that they were seeing in Silicon Valley for a similar type of company might be in Baltimore, is just gonna be fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, we have a lot of opportunities that are gonna get created, I think, out of this that we, should, we, got, we, we can and will take. And I, obviously the work that you do is gonna help us lead that. Well, I, you know, if I could just say one more thing. No, about no, please. I, I do think, Troy, that we, We'll see, and, and again, this goes to the, the day in and day work of so many of our researchers. I do think the other outcome is that there will be an increased appreciation for investments in science. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, the nice thing is we can really hone in and focus on what those unmet needs are. Absolutely. And that, well, we can keep going. That and the other thing is exposing, you, you mentioned it, is the, this wealth inequalities. And so how do we get more, and you've not talked about this, not just the founders being diverse, but how do we make sure those teams are diverse? And so mm -hmm. how do we make sure, you know, I use the example, you know, I talk about is when we invest in the Hopkins uh, next great startup, how do we make sure that we intentionally introduce them to people from a buoy state or from a cop and, and, and making sure that, you know, as we can, we create those collisions. We create they, we start knitting those things together. So the, the great talent of Maryland is coming together to fund and grow great Maryland for entities. Yeah, look, this again, this is something that I am personally passionate about that Johns Hopkins is committed to. And I, I think one of the best examples of that is my friend right here in town, Mike Rosenbaum, has a company called Catalyte. 
and his focus uh, is on economic and social mobility and um, offering software development jobs to folks who may not have otherwise considered it. They don't have a degree in computer science from Johns Hopkins, but guess what? They start out, I think his data shows that his average employee starts out at 25,000 a year. And within five years, some uh, large majority are making more than 100,000 a year. That's beautiful. So, so the, the nice thing about, I've, I've just been spending a lot of time on this uh, with some folks uh, in town thinking about um, uh, economic mobility. And, and one of the learnings is that with scalable technology companies, there is a lot of room for growth in terms of salary, in terms of professional development. While small businesses are extremely important to the heart of America, but you don't often have that same opportunity to go from making 25 to 100,000. And those small businesses are often not able to hire 100 or 1,000 people if they're successful. So that, that scalability, I, I think, is something that I'm particularly focused on. How do we get folks starting businesses that are really infinitely scalable um, into Maryland so that, that we can provide those that economic opportunity and jobs. Well, I love it. I like the game. You and I could talk all day and we do, we, we talk offline. Well, let, let's quickly, let's wrap this up. We're getting to the end of the, the game and you know, it's, 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 it's Friday. So a little fun here, um, Christy, just, um, throw a couple of words at you and, uh, First, first, you know, first thing come to mind, fast, fast. Okay. Okay. So, so we start with some easy ones. So with easy. I'm ready. So we, like I said, we're going to go back to, for, for those that don't know, Christy and I both have Texas roots. Yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> both have Texas roots, actually Metroplex, Dallas Metroplex roots. Um, she went to Plano high school. Uh, I went to Southern Methodist and uh, that's all just one big, if you don't know that geography is one big blob of, of a metropolis there. So anyway, I'm going to say that, say a couple of things. Plano. Oh, we were, we were great at football uh, <laughs> and we had the biggest graduating class in the country. That sounds, about right. that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Texas. Texas. I, I have a great home for it. I, you know, I think what they're great at right now, Troy, is reaching out to business and making sure that they know that they want them there. So we got, we've got some things to learn when it comes to economic development, but, uh, um, but I'm happy. I'm not giving you one word. I guess I'm supposed to be giving you one word. Sorry, I'm, I'm breaking the rules already. That's all right. So we're going to bring a little bit closer to home. Crabs. Yum. <laughs> I, I, I have a deck right out here. And uh, my favorite thing to do is big crab feast in the summer. NYU. NYU. I had a great experience at the business school there. And it led me to uh, meet my husband and ended up moving to Baltimore. So I have nothing but good things to say. And my last one. Innovation. You know, again, innovation comes in all shapes and sizes. Uh, I think we can innovate as folks inside big institutions, uh, folks at the city level, um, all around. Uh, I, I think anytime you see something that's a pain point, is there a way to fix that and, and innovate around it? That is really my mantra. That's good. Christy, again, we could have talked all day. Uh, I truly always enjoy our chats. I look forward to the continued collaboration between Tedco and John Hopkins across a, a, a number of different efforts. And, you know, we didn't get to spend more time to talk. How do we really make a difference in Baltimore? That's really, as you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about that and we're going to make that happen. So appreciate your leadership and, uh, and your, and your spirit uh, today and, and all that you do. Troy, thank you so much. I will never be an SMU fan uh, because <laughs> I spent some time at college station, but I still like you. So thank you. 
<laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, folks, thank you again for listening. Uh, we, we continue to appreciate. Thank you for all the comments we've been getting. Uh, we really appreciate the commentary and the, and the feedback we've been getting. Um, so again, this is Troy Lamel Stovall with Tedco Talks. See you all next week. Thanks again. Thanks again for listening. And a special thank you to our guest, Christy Weiskel, for joining in today's discussion. For more information on TEDCO and its activities, check us out at www.tedcomd.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, consider sharing and subscribing to TEDCO Talks.